Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 97 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time we read, Ma, can I be a feminist and still like men? Lyrics oh, from Life like this. by Nicole Hollander. <laughs> uh, Does that mean I have to do that a voice like that too now? Every uh, time I bring up the title? You don't have to, but it might be fun. Ma, can I still be a feminist and still like men? Ma. Ma. Anyhow, my, this sheep now. strangely terrible sheep club. This t- <laughs> ma, ma. <laughs> this strangely titled book was published in 1980 by St. Martin's Press, and it somehow found its way into my boyfriend's basement in Minnesota. Uh, he found it when he was cleaning alongside a book called Lesbian Nuns, which you know sounded like it might have been funny, but was actually a serious and uplifting book <laughs> about well the struggles and triumphs of lesbian nuns so i know i know everyone wants to laugh but honestly a lot of a lot of women that go into convents and become nuns are gay apparently i guess it makes sense right you just want to lock yourself up with a bunch of other women um it's very common for them to be gay and obviously uh i guess more traditional catholicism or christianity you know frowns upon that so that's some some cognitive dissonance pretty strong cognitive dissonance so that that book is about that anyway my boyfriend we did read that no we didn't uh because it's like i said it's a serious book and it's it's about a topic that you know it's it it doesn't it's not funny it doesn't need to be laughed at um and my boyfriend brought them both upstairs because he found them near each other in the basement was like where the fuck did these come from he has Paris, no idea part, why he what has part of the basement. Of was it like next to the boiler or like in a damp area full of <laughs> spiders? Like what? <laughs> I mean, un- so it was in the unfinished part of the basement. So the basement is partially finished. Um, I know it was in the unfinished part. So laundry, sub pump. Oh yeah, I mean, it <laughs> smells like a basement. The book physically, like it smells like a basement. It's got an odor. So. My pet theory, since my boyfriend has no fucking idea how they ended up in his basement, my pet theory is that they must have been left behind by the previous owner who was an elderly woman. That's my guess, anyway. So, uh... What do you, what's your thoughts on whether she was a lesbian nun and or feminist? I mean, feminist, Perhaps lesbian nun. three. That makes a lot of sense to me. That seems like a common, I don't know, seems like a reasonable demographic, feminist, lesbian nun. <laughs> I don't know. We found one and her small book stash that she left behind in a dank corner of the basement. 
Uh, I don't know that this woman that used to own this house was that, but uh, I don't know. Feminist lesbian nuns sound pretty cool. Sounds like a like a eighties movie somewhere, like a D movie that you can rent. Oh, or a shitty indie band. Yeah, we're feminist yeah. lesbian nuns. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what we normally not go to that show. <laughs> So what we normally do here, uh, we don't normally sit here and wax poetic about lesbian nuns. Typically, what we do is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title summary, or some combination of those three. Sometimes we also read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. In general, though, we do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or if they're browsing for books online. And usually this experiment results in a disappointing read, but, you know, once in a while we end up liking the book. Uh, today, sorry. I was gonna say, sometimes we take patron recommendations. Sometimes we look in bookstores. Sometimes we read dank old dusty basement books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, how could I resist it with a title like that? How could I resist yeah, this? True. Uh, anyway, before we move on to content warnings and the summary and discussion of the book, I did just want to take a second to tell y'all about, uh, my my coworker's book. My, I found out today that my co- one of my coworkers uh, is a children's book author and she wrote a book recently. So I thought it was worth bringing up because I think her book fills a niche. Uh, she wrote the book because she noticed that this niche was not being filled. Uh, so the book is called A Friend Like a Nyan by Mika Caldwell. It The book seeks to represent black families with children who have Down syndrome. Since uh, evidently uh, a large large swath of literature about Down syndrome and for children with Down syndrome just uh, seems to be a lot of white people. So that's kind of weird. But uh, yeah, so pretty cool. I did not know that my coworker did this. So I found out today and I just thought that it was uh, worth worth throwing out there. So if you're interested, I'm just going to throw her link tree into the show notes. Um, Again, her name is Mika Caldwell and the book is called A Friend Like a Nyan. So if you have a young child in your life or you know somebody who does, it might be worth checking out. All right. Although, so hmm? I might be careful if you tell her like, "Hey, I featured your book on my podcast, Terrible Book." Club. <laughs> well, I mean, I told her I was going to talk about it. I was like, I was like, "Yeah, the show is not a normal. It's not a normal. We're not going to review it. I'm just going to talk about it." That's <laughs> Don't worry, your book is safe. Oh, all right. Content warning. So for today, aside from our usual barnyard language, uh it's mostly just going to be sex and gender dynamics. If you don't really want to hear about that, then, you know, it's not an episode for you. Uh, there's so <laughs> weird. Weird, Weirdly enough, this book doesn't have a back of book summary or any summary. The back of the book has reviews about a different book by the same author. <laughs> so the back of the book is fill an the space, ad, man. The back of the book is an ad for other for another book by the same author. Uh, I'll read it though. It says praise for I'm in training to be tall and blonde, which is another book by this author. And the praise is thus: This is the kind of book that, like certain kinds of movies arouses the impulse to cheer out loud, to stamp one's feet, at once funny, wrathful, and excruciatingly perceptive, a visceral pleasure. Chicago Magazine. I don't think I've ever been compelled to cheer out loud or stamp my feet at any piece of media, Paris. Hey, man, the 1970s were a different time. Maybe that's, okay. how, maybe that's how people enjoyed things then. Stomping <laughs> uh, our feet all the time. <laughs> Movie theaters were so fucking annoying, Paris, in the 70s. <laughs> Don't drop your fucking candy because it's going to get stomped. A barrel of feminist laughs. It's hard to choose among so many truly funny pages. 
Vogue. Uh, see, now we know that's not about this book. We're positive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Super and, sure that's not a review for this one. And lastly, the New York Times book review says, Among cartoonists, women are a rarity. One thinks only of the French satirist Claire Bretecher, or Bretecher, I don't know, and of Sherry Flanagan. Sherry Flanagan? Flanagan? I don't know. That seems like such a made-up name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris, are we reading AI-generated reviews again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to that exclusive company, another name may be added. Nicole Hollander. So that's uh, that's what the back of the book says. So it has nothing to do with the actual book. That's a first. Um, Except that there's cartoons in this one, too. Right. So this whole book is really just a collection of cartoons. Uh, Nicole Hollander is a famous uh, cartoonist, apparently. So she had a series, I think, in... I can't remember, was, uh, I can't remember which newspaper. Um, she had, you know some cartoons out there she was apparently quite well regarded uh though i know nothing about cartoons so she she was uh yeah according to wikipedia look up nicole holland okay all right whatever you say uh so there's really no there's really no the setting i guess is late 1970s america this was published in 1980 seemed like it was largely written between 78 and 79 uh the only consistent characters are a character called Sylvia and her daughter, who I'm, I don't remember if she's named, but most of it is just like various unnamed and named characters that appear once. You know, it's a collection of comic strips. That's that's what this is. I believe Sylvia is supposed to be Ma. Yes, correct. It, the, the titular Ma. Um, I mean, the, our, my best summary is a series of very roughly illustrated feminist cartoons broken up into sections. And those sections are some introductory remarks from Sylvia. Mystery and romance, sexual preference, playing doctor, a difference of opinion, reading by the light of the cathode ray, naughty problems and elegant solutions, and some closing remarks from Sylvia. So uh, Chris and I read a bunch of 70s cartoons, and uh, I gotta say, oh man, these are some flaccid fucking jokes, many of which I just cannot imagine anyone finding funny. I do not understand... There's like one or two things that I got like the inner like uh huh I guess kind of th- like but I, on a laughometer Paris this was like a two at best. <laughs> yeah it was real bad I mean and then there and then did you understand the random mystery passages I thought no. maybe they were there to make fun of how women are written about in most fiction. But they weren't even really bad, so I didn't understand. But no, but there. like they also. I, they didn't kind of make any sense to me either. Yeah. I don't I don't get a lot of the stuff that's here. There seems to be a general lack of punchlines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and none of this is helped by the illustrations. The illustrations actually make things worse. They're just really grotesque and not in a way that I find appealing. And again, I I, I do want to or not again. I do want to state that I understand cartoons are really really subjective you know and they're also made they have to be made what daily or weekly so i don't i guess i don't i understand that the bar is low and also wavy over cartoons right you know like (laughs) i mean you know they're not they're not supposed to be fucking works of art that you frame or something um but i just don't personally i don't like the style i thought it was really unappealing and and it just didn't help because the jokes we also didn't like the jokes so it's just all together a bad time i think a lot of this is going to be you and i reading out a joke or two or 10 here in paris i kind of want to start with 
the the pair of pages that has the title in it, because I think it's oh, yeah. a good little example of what, uh, perhaps a self-aware example of what's going on in this book. Um, so Sylvia and her daughter are sitting across from each other um, at this table that has uh, some books, a, a tea kettle, a jar of something, per- uh, perhaps a roll of paper towels. That's not important. Anyway, um, Sylvia's daughter says, Ma, do you think I can be a feminist and still like men? Sylvia says, sure, just like you can be a vegetarian and like fried chicken. And her daughter replies, Ma, sometimes when you tell me something, I get more confused. And Sylvia says, does a chicken have lips? Uh, that, that's uh, it. <laughs> so there what? was the, oh, you could be a, like, just like you could be a vegetarian and like fried chicken. Like, there's the joke, right? I guess. A very, a very like, ham-handed thing. And then I, do, what is this, does the chicken have lips? Little, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't get What's it. What's the joke? Am I? Is this going over my head? Is there some obvious thing here about being confused? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's try another one. <clears throat> okay, hit it's, me with it's uh, Nero's Sil- Sylvia and her friend, uh, not her daughter. I forget what her friend's name is, but they're sitting at a table, and her friend has a book called Love. <clears throat> and her friend says, her friend is uh, reading a passage from a book called Love. <clears throat> She'd never met a man like him before. Every inch of him so aggressively virile, from his ruggedly masculine features to the masses of wiry, ebony black hair on his powerful forearms. Why can't I meet a man like that, the friend says to Sylvia. And Sylvia says, I know a guy like that once. He shed all over the house. Because he's cat. Or a dog. Or or he's just a hairy man. Ladies with their husbands have cats, Paris. Did you know this? I think I think it was I don't think it was about cats. I yeah, I just don't think that's very funny. Um there's some I just plain do not understand at all. Um Sure. Uh there's there's a a, a woman who's supposed to be a singer and it says and now I'd like to sing a medley of the lyrics that ruined our lives. Please hum along using any Carol King melody. I guess that's supposed to be a stab at Carol King. And the lyri- the thing she sings is, Oh, baby, I was barely breathing. I was. Just- Should I just sing this? Yeah, do your best. <laughs> I don't know what Carol Add King sounds like. Add some life to this. <laughs> yeah, just give this some fucking... Oh, God. Oh, baby, I was barely breathing. <laughs> I was just... Treading water till I met you Now that I have you I don't need no other reason to tear I don't know how to say that word Oh man, I'm not even singing, this is bad uh, I guess I could I could give it a real try uh, Let's see if there's a good line in here <laughs> I don't even need to leave so baby, when we're together, I'm miserable and bored. <laughs> okay, it's Who kind of funnier when you're actually singing it, but like on a piece not of paper, really. yeah. it's not funny. And even even my joke singing isn't very funny. Um, and the the rest just reads. But when we're apart, the sun don't shine. Oh baby, come back to me. I need your kind of loving. Since you've been gone, I can't even tie my shoes. Often I eat Rice Krispies for dinner. Oh baby. 
What's bad about I fucking Rice Krispies for dinner is fine. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, once in a while, you get a little a little crisp rice, a little marshmallow. Here's here's I another just... one that mystified me quite a bit. Paris, <laughs> Sylvia is sitting in front of her TV, um, and apparently, some report about uh, improvements in peaches has come on because the TV is saying Mr. Silverthorne is with us today to talk about terrific breakthroughs in peach production. We're very excited about this, Dorothy. Through the judicious use of additives and a forced growing process, we have developed a peach that is not only ripe when you buy it, but it stays ripe in your refrigerator for a month. And Sylvia says, I'd rather suck on a rope. That's it. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess sucking on a rope was like... I can't even think of a modern equivalent. Chris. What's wrong with peaches that stay ripe longer? I don't know. I... I can't tell you. Um, What's your, like, it seems to me that a lot of the jokes is that Sylvia is ornery and sits in front of her TV and makes snide remarks at it. The, here's, I mean, there are some that are just in, so inexplicable. They're beyond, like, uh, uh, ge- what's the gener- what's the generation, after, two generations after us, what are those called? Zoomers? 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 Yeah. Yeah. I would say these are even beyond, like, Zoomer memes. These are just so bizarre. Like, for example, there's one that just has, it's just a square on the page, a small square, and it's, the square is a little bit ornate, kind of like, I don't know, like a fancy wedding invitation kind of border, and it says, after February 14th, I would prefer to be addressed as Robert Mustang. My car and I want to have the same last name. And that's that's it. That's it. There's nothing else. It's not tied to anything else. Why get, is that I mean, funny? I I get the joke. It's it, oh, it's so funny that you want to like name yourself after your car. That's not a good joke, though. It's not. Um, <clears throat> How about you do our favorite one, Paris? The one that's just a picture of a lady. <laughs> the, okay, this is the only joke that was truly funny because again, yeah. it was it was you know millennial. Uh, what's the one between us and Zoomers? The zelen- uh, zelen- Zillennial? Uh, yeah. Sure. It's whatever. Young people. It's <laughs> it's like beyond the young people memes in its absurdity. And it made me laugh out loud the first time I saw it. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to find the actual image, but. Just so you can describe in detail some very poorly drawn random lady, because there's nothing special about it's just some lady. Parents. Well, that's the thing; they're all non sequiturs. Every single page is not connected to the page before it, unless it's. Un- there are, I think, there are a couple of a couple where the there, uh, there's like a series, and it's it's all one joke. But largely, the jokes themselves are all non sequiturs. They don't <clears throat> they don't connect to anything else. God, what? Oh, also, this is uh, this is in the chapter. <clears throat> I believe this is in the chapter called "Sexual Preference," which is weird. <laughs> that <laughs> um, makes it better. Yeah, I think. Let me make sure that's true. No, I'm sorry. It's in the chapter called "Reading by the Light of the Cathode Ray." That makes less sense. Um, and there's just just a page, and in the middle of this page. There is a crude drawing of a woman. She's a very pointy chin, thick lips. Uh, she's got kind of wavy, straightish, slightly wavy hair. She's wearing some earrings. And these are all black and white, so I have nothing else to say. 
Um, of course, the top of her body just ends in squiggly lines because these drawings are awful. Um, and beneath her portrait, beneath her bust, her mighty squiggly bust, it says, I fear lumber yards. <laughs> Like, that's totally, like, some, like, deep internet, deep-fried meme shit where it's, like, a picture of a lady with that caption and it's super blurred or something. But but I don't, I can't, but unlike, unlike with the young people, millennials, millennial Zoomer (laughs) jokes, that you can usually trace those back to something that I fear lumber yards, I have no fucking (laughs) Disconnected from all humor known to mankind. (laughs) Floating by itself in this universe of (laughs) non-jokes. You catch it in the side of your eye like you're you're floating through space and it's a single asteroid with what you think might be a little (laughs) bit of minerals on it for you to harvest to bring back to your laugh mine. I don't know. Yeah, this metaphor got away from me, Paris. It's fine, just like these jokes, man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they're just so. We can continue reading them, um, but I guess we could just talk about. Uh, so, oh, the random mystery passages. I think we should. They're yeah, supposed you gotta to be- read at least one of those because yeah. those are by far the most baffling in terms of. I don't see where there's a joke here at all, and also. What are you even trying to say here? Yeah, there's um, in the mystery and romance section, there are these little interstitial pieces that are totally different from the other ones. And I, two of them, it seemed like they're making fun of romance books. The one that's called Arms of Eve, Arms of Evil, and the one that's called Wayward Nipples. Um, but yeah, I think Wayward Nipples is clearly like. Hey, aren't romance books really dumb? This this is what it says. <clears throat> she slapped him. He caught her arm and pressed her to him in a grip of steel. She felt his long, arrogant, taut thighs and his long, taut jeans burning into her flesh. Her breath grew shallow. Her nipples hardened like two tiny pebbles, like sweet, hard candy, like two finishing nails. Oh, how she hated him, yet her body flamed with desire for him. I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny as like a satire, satirical romance novel, but it's not. Would have been funnier if she wrote like an actual chapter out. (laughs) But then that's not like you're not a cartoonist, right? Yeah, I I don't know. But but then again, that that passage doesn't have a cartoon to accompany it. So that leads to greater questions. Like, was that the comic strip one day? Just this paragraph? I I don't know. Um, There's another one. It has a big haunted house in the background and there's like a sort of a fleeing tear seemingly tearful woman and it says what was the secret at edgemere castle why was the darkly attractive lord brindle so taciturn and why was little rudolph so little i guess it's just a haha mystery books are kind of dumb right but it's just not funny. <laughs> it's just not funny. At least the robots one had the long, taut jeans part, which yeah. was something. Was that was something. So there are a couple of those, and they're just... They're somehow even more misplaced than any of the other jokes. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to kind of go into what I... My, my critique, other than the fact that a lot of the jokes just don't land for me. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get any more meat off of this bone with just repeating what's in here. There's some stuff that, like I said, on the laugh meter it's like a 2 out of 10, I would say. The the sort of sensible chuckle thing 
which, you know, President doesn't even get through the full chuckle for me. It's more like a chuck or a chew. Yeah, I think, um, so there are, some of the jokes actually do hit on relevant points about how American healthcare is shitty or how, um, you know, women still aren't uh, treated equally in the workplace and paid equally and things like that. But the way that the jokes are laid out just don't make me laugh, even though I'm like, yes, that is an absurd comparison you're drawing. And I agree with you that this is bad, but I just can't. It's just not the the architecture of the joke is not funny, even though the substance should like there should be something funny about it. But just the way that it's built just it just falls down every time. It, it's like um, a lot of. I'm I'm curious to, about this because maybe it's the fact to me that a lot of these jokes seem sort of played out to me almost or obvious. Like the one thing where it's two women sitting across from each other and one of them has a cat in her lap and it says Puffy is my significant other, which is like yeah, like why is that unmarried funny? lady with the cat? It's because unmarried ladies cats instead of husbands is like a punchline that we've been hearing for such a long time. Maybe this was at the apex of when cat lady jokes were just starting out and like that was some hot shit or something. It's like when you try to show Seinfeld to people that haven't seen Seinfeld but have seen more sitcoms that are recent now and it seems lame and boring because all the stuff has played off of Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this book did make me think about the evolution of humor and how we're, you know, 40 plus years divorced from these jokes and that's why they don't work. Uh, especially since, as we were talking about earlier, we live in an age of memes and bizarre absurdity. Um, yeah, I, I think part of the issue is simply our point in time and, and that humor, I guess, doesn't always um, survive the same way a lot of other things do. I, I mean, that's, that's I guess, that it made me think about that. Um, <clears throat> I have a problem with a lot of the jokes, like a lot of the, um, a lot of the things the jokes suggest. Actually, one of the ones um, I take issue with is the one you just brought up. That you know, oh ha ha, women have to marry cats. It's the only alternative because men are such garbage. Like yeah, okay, men are trash, but can we not? It's just such a, it's such a stupid, tired joke. Um, and I also, I I don't think that. I'm not a fan of the titular joke and punchline that suggests you can't both be a feminist and like men. Sure, men are difficult, men are problematic, but it's totally possible, and I don't think being straight is incongruent with feminism. And I think I've just gotten really tired of hearing things like that lately, so maybe this is just a particular sore spot for me. Uh, it's I just think people need to be a lot more nuanced about how they talk about gender and relationships and you know, men and women, it's just, it just kind of builds this, this, uh, structure where we demonize all men and all women are perfect angels. Uh, and this kind of a joke is, is something that lives in that space. So I just, I just really dislike that. I don't know. There's also, like the answer to being unhappy with your husband in so many of these jokes is infidelity. I really dislike that. I don't think it's funny. I don't think lying to your partner and cheating on them is cool. So to me, it's just super not the many, funny. many comments on ho tactics might disagree with you, Paris. <laughs> huh. 
Oh, the hoe tactics YouTubers. Oh, y'all are ridiculous. But they're all upset, man. They're they're some of the most upset comments that we've gotten. Oh, YouTube is just a, a hive of misery. Just miserable people trying to make other people miserable. I've contemplated shutting YouTube comments off, but they are pretty funny, so I I leave them. And we yeah, get a lot. Of, I mean, we get a lot of positive engagement too. But yeah, it's, it's just, not totally negative all the time. But YouTube is I like the you, most. Mr. Rat, please keep commenting, Mr. Rat. Oh, Mr. Rat. Yeah, Mr. Rat rules. Um, but YouTube is the most negative media, like social media platform that I have seen. Anyway. Uh, I don't, I I think that, yeah. So one of my main issues is that the, uh, the view that Nicole Hollander has of the relationships between men and women is just really narrow and one-sided and jaded and not nuanced. And to me, that doesn't work. Was it not to get divorced in the seventies? Was that part of it? Like, you you know, you can't get the divorce as easily, so you might as well cheat. Um, he's a jerk. I'm trying to remember when the credit card thing happened when women could finally get their own. When could women <laughs> get their own? This is going to be horrifyingly recent, isn't it? It's going to be like 1983. No, I, think it's, I thought it was the 60s, but maybe it was the 70s. <laughs> I'm going to find out it was like 30 years ago. Uh, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974 changed that. So, I mean, this is like five to six years That's later. That's still pretty recent. Yeah. yeah. That's like I could ask my dad about that and he would be like, oh, yeah, we didn't let him have them until then. Yeah, fair. Again, I think a lot of our disagreements with the book is just due to the fact that we live, we exist in a time period that is 40 years after it. So we're just so divorced from the context that nothing is funny anymore. And yeah, it's kind of hard to. It's hard to identify with this. Perhaps as a piece of feminist history, is this valuable? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way to put it. Oh, there's also, sorry, there's also an errant joke about Errol Flynn fucking Lassie, and I just did not understand that. I was like, whoa, what the fuck was going on? She's in a bath and she's watching TV while in the bath, which is like a little dangerous. No, she's reading. She's reading too. She's oh, reading she while she's TV. What the no, fuck she's was I reading. Seeing? She's reading while oh, she's in the bath. I thought she had a TV near the bath. No, and was she's like holding watching she, Lassie. Or no, something. she's holding a like, book. Called, she's holding a book called like celebrity stories or something like that. And she's like, oh, no, I knew Errol Flynn and Lassie weren't just friends. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> they really were mortal funny. enemies. Actually, you misconstrued that. <laughs> yeah. They were in a blood feud. Errol Flynn was actually Lassie's dad. <laughs> I mean, I guess that one got a chuckle out of me because I was like, that's fucking weird. Um, uh, remember when you had to get celebrity gossip stories out of books, Paris, instead of just like. Instead of just directly to your websites? eyes. <laughs> yes. You wake fucking up every the- second, every time you look at the Doom tablet in your pocket. <laughs> oh, speaking of Doom tablets, uh, this book did make me think how sad it is that nothing has changed since the 1970s. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, gotta say, things have changed, but not by much, by very, very tiny increments. I mean, and we're like talking our about beef gen- with this, or my beef with this book is that I've heard this shit so many times already because it's still getting brought up today because it's still an issue. Yeah, like gender inequality, healthcare, and fossil fuels, all still a nightmare 40 plus years later. Yeah, just really made me go. Oh, good. Another thing to to remind me of how fucking bad everything is right now. <laughs> to be clear, I'm I'm not saying, oh, stop bringing up these issues. I'm saying I've heard these particular jokes a bunch right, already. Right, right. So, 
while it's equally clear, like it, so it's clear that satire has changed drastically in the last 40 years. And specifically in the last, I would say 20, the internet has seriously reshaped our vision of what's funny. Uh, but so, so somehow we have, we have all these technological advances, you know, this like wide availability of foods and things for most people, but somehow a lot of other really important shit is just stagnant. <laughs> Or, or if, you know, there have been some improvements, but they haven't been happening quite at the rate that they probably should, given everything else. Um, yeah. <sighs> That's the sad undercurrent for this, right? Yeah. You know what's also sad, Paris? Uh, what? I was reading this book, and I was like, I, I think Garfield might be funnier than this. Because I was thinking about other cartoonists wow. and stuff like that. That, like, To be honest with you, I'm, you're reading... If you still read the Sunday funnies in the like, <laughs> when, uh, when was, no. Uh, I but I was trying to think of any cartoon that I actually laughed at more than this because I was trying to give Nicole a little bit more credit here because I don't think I was ever guffawing at any uh, Zippy the Pinhead strips or something like that. No. But I thought family, even then, yeah, I guess yeah, Family Circus. Yeah, you know, I always liked the little Viking guy. He was good, but yeah, they're not like. They're not laugh out loud ones. That's true. I sometimes, speaking of non sequiturs, there was a strip called non sequitur that I would yes. laugh at sometimes because it was just so weird and out there. That's the one I'm talking about. I think. I think that's the one. Um and but but I would rather read thirty five Garfield strips in a row than read this book again. Oh no, you're right. It's, it's not me- the one. But yeah, non sequitur is good. Yeah, uh, the far side, far side and non sequitur were both much better than this. Sure, um, I, I will absolutely cop to laughing at some far sides. Yeah, um, you know what? Speaking of Garfield, you know what I wish we had a book of? Just a printed book of Lasagna Cat. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a ra- speaking of non sequiturs. Trying yeah. to will this into existence? <laughs> well, no, I mean Garfield. So Lasagna Cat is this bizarro, absurdist. Uh, comedy on YouTube based on loosely based on Garfield. Uh, there's a really great one where it's like Garfield uh, Hawaii Five O, or so. it's like Garfield and detectives. It's just like detective noir. And I I'm not doing a very good des- job of describing it, but lasagna. Just go look cat. up lasagna cat. Very strange humor, um, but does it for me more than this book did. What other comic strips are funnier than this, Paris? Oh, God. Yeah, this was... I, I don't I know what... I like the good Robot Man and Monty in my day. I don't know what Although he is. was a little bit sexist. He was more than a little bit sexist, I remember Elf Tour was like a, an internet comic. <laughs> Elf Tour? Does anyone remember Elf Tour? Oh, you're you're talking web comics. That's a yeah. whole other... Yeah. I used to... God, years ago, I read Penny Arcade. It's probably the only one other than Elf Tour. I don't even know if Elf Tour was a comic or if it was just a weird website. I don't know. My youth on the internet is just fraught with disaster, so I try to not everyone, think about I'm that. sure everyone's is, Paris. Ugh. Um, I just can't remember some of the crazy things that existed in the 90s. I was specifically talking about, like, in-print published strips. Yeah. There's only... There's, there's one that is the reigning king of all comic strips of any kind, web, or I, I'm sure it was never in a newspaper, but the Perry Bible Fellowship. Oh my God! Is, how oh how can I forget? Yeah, the Perry Bible Fellowship is some of the you funniest fucking shit. <laughs> you want you want to laugh? Holy fuck! 
Yeah, throw away your 70s feminist comics and pick up some Perry Bible Fellowship. I, oh, so incredible. They have made me laugh and cringe laugh and just think about them over and over again because they're so poignant. Which makes me realize that, yes, in you can make cartoons laugh out loud funny like mm-hmm. this. You can. And and um, I think that, so if we want to talk about how we can fix it, Chris, you make a great point in this section. So how could we fix this book? Chris, take it away. I don't think we can because we just might be so detached from 70s humor that it just doesn't land anymore for all the no, reasons no, I've no, already no, no, gone no. into. We, we've already talked about that. Sorry, your next That's point. Right. Yeah, but I'm segueing into oh, that, Paris. Sorry. <laughs> I need Ru- a little Chris, runway we're on the here. express train tonight. <laughs> we're bypassing the stop of detachment from 70s humor and going straight to George Carlin. Yeah, because that, that's the point I was going to make, is that there's plenty of 70s comics that are still fine, like George Carlin, Richard Pryor, still hits pretty good. Um, I, hell, even a Don Rickles or a Rodney Dangerfield, right? Like, th- yeah. that, those are all fine. I'm sure you can <clears throat> name some other 70s comedians that are, even st- like Steve Martin. That, yeah, All, all these Martin. things are still funny in a lot of ways. I was, uh, was going to say. Monty Python, not really yeah. like a stand-up, but... I'll still laugh at the Twit Olympics any day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, that's a, and I think this is an excellent point that gives a little more credence to us not liking it. Um, but my, yeah, my my critique of like how could we fix this? Uh, yeah, I just need some serious updating. I don't like the cartoonist style. I don't think the jokes are clever. Like I said, it's the architecture of the joke and not always their substance. Though I did take issue with some of the substance. Um, Mm -hmm. They mostly just state gender discrepancies in the U.S. directly rather than spinning them into a real joke. There are a bunch of jokes I just don't understand and things that don't seem like jokes at all. Um, I'm not really sure who this book is for. And my thought was like maybe these were just better as single published comic strips and newspapers rather than this collection. Um, and yeah, Do you I think mean, newspapers in the 70s, like it must've been like really like small niche newspapers, right? Not like these weren't ending up in the globe or anything. I, I actually, I don't know. Um, we can double, we can, I'll check to see where Nicole Hollander's stuff was published. Um, she's just still alive. She'll probably hear this and, what, hunt us down? Yeah, hunt us down and skin us alive. Um, she's 81. I don't know if she's capable of skinning. Perhaps. Um, she... Where did, where were these published? Uh, I guess she... Uh, Field Newspaper Syndicate distributed her stuff starting in 81. Uh, she was the graphic designer of a feminist publication called The Spokeswoman. Uh, that's when she started cartooning. Um, she later drew comics for Mother Jones. Okay. All right. But yeah, apparently she's really, really well-renowned. She was a teacher for a long time, like a professor. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess this is one of those things that just doesn't, doesn't hit me the way that it's supposed to, uh, but maybe for I'm some other gonna people. I'm going to chop this up to a generational thing. Yeah, Paris. I think so, too. I mean, there's there's all these all this critical reception where it says, uh, Nicole Hollander has been one of our nation's leading satirists. 
This means she is in the business of telling the truth and making it funny. She is a radical social critic who is certain that nothing works. And so what? I just like, I don't know, man. I just don't feel uh, Okay, that I mean, way. she's definitely pointing things out. But yeah, but that's not... as far as the humor goes. Like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't actually spin that into a clever setup. The, it just states uh, the, it. The joke usually is there's a lady that's a little bit snippy in a weird way. Like the peaches joke. Yeah, I don't... Why do you want to suck on a rope, Sylvia? Yeah, I mean... What does that mean? Well, it just means like... Is there like a soft penis joke in there? Like, I'm looking for anything. Oh, God, I didn't think of that. I mean, I just read it as like, oh, an unpleasant activity. I don't think... No, yeah, I don't think it is that, but I'm just looking for any, like... Grasping. Grasping at straws. (laughs) Grasping for soft penis. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I just... I mean, there's even some... There's even somewhere she's sitting with an alien at a diner, and the alien just says nothing, like gobbledygook, like nonsense. And I don't know what's funny about it. I, I just don't. I, I don't know. The man is the alien, and he's trying to talk to the woman, and she can't understand it because he's from another planet, because men are from Mars. Oh, you know what? You know what? One is actually kind of good. I'm going to read this one. This one's actually good. Uh, Sylvia's on a date with a guy, and the guy says... You know the kind of woman I could really go for? And she says, is there anything I can say to prevent you from sharing these thoughts with me? And he says, someone intelligent, witty, passionate about her work, totally involved in life, and willing to give it all up for me. Yeah, all right, all right, sure. Yeah, that's... That's That's good. uh, That's fine. That's all right, it's all right. It wasn't like a ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, but I was like, (laughs) ha, yeah, okay. You get a ha. You get a solid ha. One ha. I mean, like it is a truthful observation about how some men view dating women. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the, again, all right. So I think I think we've we've fucking yeah, beaten this. We've point wrung this death. out for of all its basement juices. <laughs> oh, the other the other shitty thing about this book was that because it's so old and has been in a basement for who knows how long. Uh, whenever I moved it at all, so whenever I turned a page or opened it or put it in a different spot, it just shed old, dried binding glue. It just like <laughs> everywhere, and it's just terrible. It You're just... breathing that in, Paris. You're slowly getting more glued together and stiff. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's terrible because it kind of, um, it's like shrapnel. It just it just splits into thousands of pieces it goes everywhere it was very frustrating to clean up constantly i i then had to once i took all the pictures for chris to send him the book uh i i put it away and i i never want to move it again because i fear more glue shrapnel now it's a deadly weapon <laughs> so would i recommend this book no unless you're looking for historic uh feminist critique i think it's it's useful as a piece of history however i don't really think yeah, it's useful as a piece you're of a humor. Cartoonologist or something. <clears throat> yeah. Cartoonologist. Um a cartoonologist, yeah. Uh, anyway. I, I got, yeah, Paris, why, is it, why is it so hard to just get nuance when you're talking about like straight gender things? It's so hard. It's so hard for people. Everyone can't get rid of this. 
you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Oh my God, we're so different and men are just so evil. Like, yeah, I know. But I, we've been in this binary ugh, sort of yeah. mentality for quite so long that it's yeah. just entrenched in so many people, like weaved into so many pieces of media and how we think about it. So yeah. you have to really go digging for that kind of nuanced discussion. Or just get it from friends that you have these conversations with, even though that's not always the best. Let me tell you, um, very hard for me to find a lot of dudes I can have nuanced gender critique conversations with. Yeah, maybe fuck me. Maybe I'm being too hopeful about this. Maybe all men are trash and evil. I, I Sorry, Chris. No. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the thing. I don't actually believe that. Uh, I think most of us could do a lot better. Oh, I agree. I agree with you, but I think, I think that... Uh, it does a disservice to men to consider them to be irredeemable bastards, one and all, right? I don't know. How much of a bastard do you think I am, Paris? I guess let's get, get to the meat of this right here. <laughs> I don't. That's the thing. I don't. I, 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 you know, and that's what I mean. Like, and even if, I don't know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, women are responsible for fixing no, all yeah, men or anything do, like that. But I do it, think that if you kick people think, when they're down... <laughs> Over yeah. and over again. I, it's the help. lack of conversation that men yeah. have with each other a lot of the time that I have to say, because it, there's a pervasive culture of not wanting to get in too deep emotionally with other men sometimes. And there is, you know, there, there is a culture of like, I always got your back, bro. Just like, call me if you need something. But I don't think. Yeah, you never get maybe that Maybe it's just call, my right? friendships. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of friendships that are like that. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, and perhaps this is even just me being unwilling to like reach out in this way. But that, of course, th- th- there it is again, um, because I feel that a lot of the time it's a surface level thing, where you will get that like, "Oh, I got your back, bro." And if you come to them with the problem, it's like, "No, you can just do it, man. Just like try." You know, uh, it's not always just try harder. It's not, people, mm. I've had plenty of dude friends be totally sympathetic and everything. But sometimes not so much. And especially, this is totally divorced from like sharing emotional burdens with male friends. But like I said, having those sort of gender critique or gender theory based conversations tends to fall a little flat with a lot of dudes. I mean, it's the same. We could also have this conversation about race or, you know, about sexuality, like all of those things, like you said. American white people, just hopeless. I feel like it, just they just hopeless. don't want to have the conversation a lot of the time because they're, they're, you know, we're scared or they're scared. I, we're scared of coming off as shittier than we are being accused of being shitty. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of want to step back from it and not say anything, which isn't the right way to handle it. No, I know. Uh, I've, yeah, I agree. I've probably said things that I've actually just interrupted you. I think that unless you had a point to make. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I like we all we all make mistakes. I mean, I think that a good way to think about it is um, I, I recently read Ibram Kendi's book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And the way that he shapes that conversation makes it certainly helped me to think about um, issues with race better because he just lays out that everyone is racist and everyone has to work to be anti-racist every day kind of with not every single decision, but with many decisions you make. And and you're going to fuck up. Every, everyone's going to fuck up. He's going to fuck up as a black man. I'm going to fuck up as a white woman. Like, you're going to fuck up as a white man. Um, and the idea is just to accept that everyone is racist because we've all, as Chris pointed out, 
kind of live, we're all living in this, this interwoven net of, you know, racism and misogyny and the, you know, all this, all this bad shit. Uh, and we have to accept that that's just who we are. <laughs> we're, we're all going to be racist and sexist and we just have to make, we accept that and not feel shame by it, not feel shamed by it, but feel empowered to make better decisions and to continue to make better decisions to be anti-racist, anti-sexist, et cetera. Uh, yeah. And I, I think just taking the, the shame part away is the hard part because I think especially growing up in you know, 80s, 90s, um, being called racist or sexist is like, oh my God, the worst thing, the worst thing in the world. People just never want to be labeled that way. And that's what they fear, right? They fear being ostracized from their social groups and their workplaces because they have this label put on them. But we just have to accept that we all have those labels on us and just work to uh, slowly erase them, <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway, read that book. <laughs> read that book. Part of it for me is when you hear a thought like that or a statement like that where we're all racist, a lot of people have that visceral reaction where mm-hmm. they're like, no, I'm, I'm not a exactly. bad person. It can't be that way. And my personal realization about it came along when I realized that the division that people seem to have or the thought patterns people seem to have about this is that it's a, a racist is a conscious person that's going out there and saying slurs and, you know, attacking people of a certain race, when really what that statement means, we're all racist, is that we have an unconscious bias. It's a tendency that you have to check yourself about constantly, pretty much. Right. And I think, and same with, uh, same with gender and sexual, yes, you know, uh, sexuality like like all of those things are wrapped up together and we all we all have a default and like chris is pointing out um that default doesn't necessarily take the form of overt violence against women or overt racism against black folks or hispanic folks or what have non-white folks in general it's often this undercurrent uh wow we've really we've really just gotten so off topic uh well no not not really totally it's it's topical (laughs) Totally topical. Sometimes books make you have conversations like this. So in a way, this book did its job. Um, The last point I wanted to make about it is that I think part of it is also that the human brain is lazy. It wants to take shortcuts. It wants Mm -hmm. to not waste energy thinking about things. It wants to group people into categories that you can easily put them in a box and not have to do any more thinking about things. And that's really what we're fighting here a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. The, the it's fighting for nuance is a, it's a fight you're going to have every day about everything that, because your exactly brain, what your brain, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Your brain wants to go, you know, black, white, left, right. You know, your brain doesn't want to think East, 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 Southeast, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, or, you know, it just slightly less Southeast. Yeah, your your brain wants to Occam's razor this shit, but it's life and you can't, so. Uh. All right, Paris. All right, After well. that sort of like semi-heavy conversation on a semi-heavy day, because if you're listening to this on release day, it's election day. So no, actually, no, I, I was wrong about that. Oh. <laughs> so shit. Unless we want to just put this out early. Um I, because we just released an episode on Tuesday. I don't know why I thought that the next episode, I just can't read calendars. Uh, my brain is melting. Oh, good. That means I have more time to edit this. Or or we don't, and we just give it to listeners as an election day treat, because Lord knows we're all going to need some treats on that day. 
I'm actually planning on filling myself with trash this weekend while dressed up as a raccoon. <laughs> That's what I'm doing for Halloween weekend. I am becoming Paris, are you a raccoon. Literally eating trash. I. Uh, by trash, I mean like I bought uh, my boyfriend and I bought a bunch of um, uh, cookie dough to eat as cookie dough to not make into cookies. Oh. Uh, we also bought I bought a ten pack box of ten boxes of sweet tarts because oh, man, it's you're that going time in. of year. Um, we got some Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, Oh, I think he's also getting us a chocolate buttercream cake. Yeah, we're just, I mean, we, we, we've been trying to eat better. And then we were You're like, going you to know have, what? Fuck it. It's not going to be a sugar crash, Paris. It's going to be a sugar meltdown. I'm going to have fucking... diabetes on Monday is basically <laughs> what I'm what I'm preparing for. Uh, type, type, type two? Is it type two or is it type one? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not educated on this subject. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck up my insulin, and I don't want to. But sometimes, sometimes when you've lived most of the year during a pandemic, and your country is about to collapse into anarcho-capitalist fascism, uh, it feels good to dress up like a raccoon and eat cookie dough. All right. <laughs> so maybe you're getting this on election this day. Maybe you're getting it a week later. Maybe Paris has already become the trash-eating raccoon with diabetes. <laughs> So, well, whenever this comes out, I hope you're all doing okay. Hope you're all doing better, I suppose. Chris, haven't I always been a trash-eating raccoon with diabetes? Hasn't it? Haven't I always been that in my heart? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Chris has... Become what you want to be, Paris. Yeah, I've, 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 I'm a, I've reached ascension. Stop I'm... holding yourself back. Let yourself fully dig through the, the trash of your life. If I remember, I'll post some pictures on uh, various TBC media, but I, I can't promise that I will. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's the end of the. We should thank people. So thank you, thank you, patrons, for uh, just for feeding this trash panda trash. Thanks. Um, thank you to Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Lynn, Sinya, Yakub, Bobby Blackcat, Jensina, Mayo Cat, Elliot. Kieran, Martin, Jay, and Scott. Thank you all. If you also want to help support the show and join that illustrious list of names that I read poorly each time, you can donate uh, any number of dollars to us on Patreon for various rewards. You can subscribe or follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or Goodreads. Uh, You can also share the show and tell some people about it or rate and review it on the platform of your choice. If you leave a review somewhere and give us, you know, some stars, it's helpful Preferably, preferably five stars. We like five, but um, we understand if it's four. And uh, if you want to reach out, you can contact us on our Goodreads, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. Uh, we've actually been hearing from a lot of people recently. Uh, apologies about Instagram. For some reason, it didn't tell me that we had any messages on the account because they were accounts that TBC didn't follow. So one day I just like, I opened the messages to, I forgot, I think I was going to forward something to somebody through that account. And I saw that we had like three pending messages from listeners. So sorry, I already responded to you all, but sorry about that. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to check that more diligently. Email is, email is probably the most direct or Twitter. Um, yeah. We got anything else we want to tell people what's, what's up for 98. Cause I don't remember. <laughs> 
we're really just winging it here in a lot of ways, Paris. <laughs> you know, I'm tired. It's getting it's a towards the end of the year. We're, you know, we we're we're gonna have a marathon session soon. I'm pretty sure. I mean, we're also like in the season finale of the United States of America. Like, I'm yeah, tired. You know, I'm fucking tired. We're, tr- we're all trying to keep up here, right? Yeah. Um, what? The next. Oh well, the next one. We don't exactly know what the next one might be yet. We have a sort of oh, yeah. branching path option <laughs> we here, do. so we, we can't say. We're, we're fucking Robert Frosting it. Uh, is, that, yeah. is that right? We're Robert Frosting. Over, is Robert sure. Frosting a porn name? If it's not, <laughs> it should be. The road oh, I saw a name somewhere that I decided would be my adult performer name if I ever went down that route, which I will probably not. Um, oh, but I forget where I saw it. But the name was Cocaine, spale, spelled K O space K A N E, which to me <laughs> really totally bad. works as an adult performer name. Uh, two books um, appeared yeah. in a yellow wood, and we were <laughs> sorry that we could not travel down down both book paths. Oh, you know what we can ask people on this episode, Paris? Hey, we're doing something special for episode 100. Oh, yeah, if we are. Have any, if you have any sort of categories of, like, we're doing a little award show, basically, for the TBC. Uh, but basically, you know, it's episode 100. We're going to look back and award books, pr- special things based on how they do in certain categories. So if you have uh, suggestions for categories you'd like things to be nominated in... Um, some of the sample ones that we're definitely going to be doing are most insane <laughs> or worst proofreading. Yeah. I mean, and Things these like that. And these categories are going to cover the entire history of Terrible Book Club. So it's not like just this season or last season. It's just the whole thing from start to finish. So we're, we've got got some stuff. We're also probably going to do some games like we've done in the past. I'm not sure if we're going to be doing the. I forget if we named the book guessing game or not on top. Nope. Not on top was fun. We maybe we'll do some yeah. not on top. Um, we also have solicited just random questions from folks. So if you just have a question you've always wanted to ask both of us or one of us, please submit it. We're happy to answer it. Um, yeah, we, we've gotten quite a few already, but we're happy to make episode 100 as long as possible. Uh, also, we are still going to continue the tradition of reading a book for an episode so that we will be reading a short book for episode 100 in addition to doing all these lovely 100th episode festivities so we hope you join us we hope you submit questions and categories and get involved it'll be really fun uh we may uh, chris i don't know how you feel about this but maybe we should stream it on twitch i think that'd be a good thing to do on twitch yeah. so why not it's gonna go long anyway so yeah can we'll hop in and out as their schedule try to, try to do a weird time to get all you aussies and people in france and other time zones. Uh, <laughs> no, no, those are the only two, Paris. France <laughs> Australia, and Australia and France. Those that, are time that, zones. <laughs> that's the two time zones around the globe. There's the Francisphere <laughs> and the Austrosphere. No, no, yeah. and then there's us. But actually, I'm in a different time zone from you right now. So there's four. I no, only that doesn't know. exist. That's a lie, Paris. It's that's just France and Australia. Well, yeah, Chris, have you ever have you ever looked at the curvature of like the lake and if you look across it if you could still you can still see the lighthouse sorry this is a really bad rendition this is a really bad <laughs> rendition of a scene from the uh, flat earth documentary um anyway all right paris i think we've uh determined if we can i don't know what i'm trying to say here Maybe you take that. Maybe <laughs> i, I take think that. we're fucking cooked is what i think um so 
with that, a very fried in Paris bid you adieu on this, this weeknight, and uh, we hope we find you safe and happier the next time you hear from us. So uh, good night. Bye, Paris. Bye, Chris. <laughs>